بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله and welcome to this podcast series of a commentary on Nahj al-Balagha brought to you by Mizan Institute Inshallah this first episode is going to serve as an introduction in which I want to cover two things number one our approach to understanding the Nahj al-Balagha in this series. And number two, to provide a brief introduction to the book of Nahj al-Balagha itself. Nahj al-Balagha is a book that, of course, needs no introduction. It is a book you can find in almost every Shia household, right next to the Holy Quran and next to Sahifa Sajjadiyah. These are our holy books, our holy scripture. Now, what you notice is that uh, our brothers and sisters will struggle with understanding uh, Nahj al-Balagha especially. I would say that Nahj al-Balagha is probably harder to understand uh, compared to the Holy Quran even and Sahifa Sajjadiyah. I always say this, I personally believe that one of the things that makes the Quran stand out compared to other scripture, other books and texts is that it is not very difficult to understand. Yes, there will be a lot of deep points in there that require deciphering. But the the apparent meaning of the verses of the Qur'an usually are easy to understand. There will be some verses that are harder to understand, but all in all you get what is what the Qur'an is trying to say in a lot of cases. With Nahj al-Balagha, I say this from personal experience even, it's very difficult because the content of course is not it's not all related to one theme. There are a lot of different things that are discussed in Nahj al-Balagha and we'll get to that later inshallah. But also the vocabulary, yes, the eloquence of it, it just it's just hard, it's just at another level. And so it requires explanation, it requires tafsir and commentary for us to understand what's going on even. Just the surface meaning even sometimes. So that is the point of this podcast series, is to go through the Nahj al-Balagha and just at least understand what's going on through basic explanations. It's not going to be uh, a series that is going to dive very deep into certain concepts that are discussed by the Imam in his sermons, in his letters, in his short sayings. We will go as deep as possible, but at the same time, we want to keep in mind that we are trying to cover as much area as we can and inshallah even cover the whole book if we can. So that's the that's the aim. So there will be explanations to the amount necessary to understand what the text is saying. But sometimes, some of these sermons, brothers and sisters, I have to say, can require and will require maybe 30, 40, 50 sessions just to understand that one sermon. Yes. And so we will leave that, inshallah, for some other time, those much, much deeper discussions. But we will go as deep as we can, keeping in mind the ultimate goal that we have from this series, which is to provide an explanation so that we can gain a good understanding, a basic understanding, a solid understanding of this holy book. Having said that, I want to move on into the second part of this introduction, which is to provide a brief intro to the book of Nahj al-Balagha itself. Although I'm pretty sure the brothers and sisters have a good understanding of what this book is like and what it's all about. At least this much that we've picked up the book before, we've gone through it a little bit, and notice that it's too hard for us to understand, and so we might have just put it back. <laughs> Even to that extent, we'll have an understanding of how this book is. But I'm pretty sure that a lot of us have actually read some of the sermons and gone through it and benefited to an extent from it. 
In regards to Nahj al-Balagha, the book, I want to first speak about its compiler, the famous, the great Al-Sharif al-Radi, rahmatullahi alayhi, who lived in the, towards the end of the, or excuse me, mid-4th century uh, until the beginning of the 5th century. So early 5th century, he passes away. 409 AH, they say he passes away. So he's born mid-4th century, but passes away early 5th century, which makes his life maybe, I would say, less than 50 years old, um, if I'm doing the math correctly. 359 AH till 406, they say. So that's about 46, 47 years. May Allah bless his soul. He is the brother of the great Sayyid al-Murtada, who of course lived longer, and uh, we have a lot of works from him as well. These two brothers, Sayyid al-Radi and Sayyid al-Murtada, they were born in Baghdad, and um, they come from a very prominent family of Sayyids, both, both from their mother's side and from their father's side. From their father's side, they go back to uh, Ibrahim al-Mujab, the one who's buried in the haram of Imam Hussein alayhi salam. They call him al-Mujab because when he went to Karbala, they say, and he said salam to Imam Hussein, they say he got a response from the holy Imam who's buried there. And from his mother's side, he is he goes back to um, Imam al-Zain al-Abidin, Imam al-Sajjad alayhi salam. So as I said, they are a family um, with a, a very reputable family. And there's an interesting story in regards to uh, these two brothers and their mother. It's a very famous story. It says the great Sheikh al-Mufid, which one can say is one of the maybe fathers of Shi'ism as we have it today. Sheikh al-Mufid, he sees a dream once that Lady Fatima to Zahra holding the hands of Imam Hassan and Imam al-Hussein alayhim as-salam, she comes to him. And she tells him to teach these two fiqh. al-fiqh. And so he wakes up from this dream and he doesn't know what's going on. And it says that, you know, he's awake till morning thinking and reflecting and weeping even. So that night, the next night, as he's in the masjid, and this is in Karkh, this lady, the mother of Sayyid al-Radi, compiler of Nahj al-Balagha, and Sayyid al-Murtada, she comes in, and her name was Fatima as well, they say. And so she comes in, holding the hands of her two sons, and she says, I want you to teach them fiqh. And so, of course, a Shaykh al-Mufid right away knows that this is the interpretation of the dream he had. And so this is something special. There's something special about these two children. He takes them in, and of course, we have Sayyid al-Radi the Great and Sayyid al-Murtada the Great. These two grand scholars of Islam, Sayyid al-Radi, just one of his works being Nahj al-Balagha will be found, as I said, in almost every Shia household across the world with all the different translations of this great work of his. Anyway, this is uh, regards to in regards to Sayyid al-Radi and Sayyid al-Murtada. He has other works as well, uh, but this one, of course, is the most famous one. Now, someone will ask, well, why, what was the reason for compiling Nahj al-Balagha? He himself explains in the preface, he explains how or why he did uh, he put this uh, book together. He says, and I'm just reading off of the translation um, that is that we have of this book. It says here that in my early age, so this is Sayyid al-Radi speaking. He says, in my early age, at the dawn of youth, I commenced writing a book on the characteristics of the imams, covering the account of their virtues and masterpieces of their utterances. In other words, like just collecting all the beautiful things they've said. 
and their fadail, their virtues. So he says, the purpose of the compilation was stated by me in the beginning of the book. Therein I completed the portion relating to the account of Amirul Mu'minin Ali salam, but I could not complete that part concerning the other Imams due to impediments of the time and obstacles of the days. So I guess scholars have always had uh, obstacles in doing their research and doing their academic work. Anyway, he says, I divided the book into several chapters and sections in a manner for its last section to comprise whatever had been related to Ali salam's short utterances, such as counsels, maxims, and proverbs, but not long lectures and detailed discourses. So he says, eventually, this is what I ended up with, something that had, that had a collection of his short sayings, but nothing long from what he has, from what Imam Ali salam has. So then he says, a number of my friends and brothers in faith while wondering at its delicate and blossoming expressions, admired the content of this particular section, and desired me to complete a book which should cover all the forms of the utterances or sayings of Ali ibn Abi Talib including diverse materials such as lectures, letters, counsels, ethics, etc., as they were convinced that the entire proceedings would comprise wonders and surprises of eloquence and rhetorics, brilliant jewels of Arabic language and shining expressions about faith, collected in any other work, not collected in any other work nor found together in any other book, because Amir al-Mu'minin was the fountain of eloquence and the source of rhetorics. So we, we refer to Imam Ali, brothers and sisters, as Amir al-Bayan. There's a reason for that. The master of speech. So through him the hidden delicacies of eloquence and rhetorics came to light, and from him were learnt its principles and rules, Every speaker and orator had to tread on his footprints, and every eloquent preacher availed of his utterances. Even then, none could equal him, and so the credit for being the first and foremost remained for him, because his sayings are those that carry the reflection of divine knowledge and of the Prophet's utterances. All right, so what is your objective, O Sayyid al-Radi? He says, the object of this compilation is to bring forth Amir al-Mumini's greatness and superiority in the art of rhetorics in addition to his countless qualities and innumerable distinctions, and to show that he had risen to the highest pinnacle of this attainment. So, in a nutshell, brothers and sisters, according to what Sayyid al-Radi himself says in the introduction or in the preface of his uh, Nahj al-Balagha, is that I was working on something for all the Ahlul Bayt when I was spending time on the part that had to do with Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam, my friends, my brothers in faith, they told me, look, this is wonderful, but it's like just his short sayings. We want you to bring everything you can in here. It's beautiful. The eloquence and the balagha, uh, as they say, is unmatched. We want more. And so as you can tell right here, what is the criterion for a Sayyid al-Radi and his compilation? In this compilation, what matters to him is the eloquence, the fasaha, the balagha, and so everything's going to revolve around that. And so what he has done is he has selected through his own taste, and of course they say he is one of the most, and if not the most, and the highest of the linguists and those who are experts in Arabic literature from Ali Abi Talib. Some have referred to him as the highest, the greatest poet of Alu Abi Talib, of the progeny of Abu Talib. That's how great he is. And so for him, the measuring stick is going to be eloquence, it's going to be beauty, the whole Najul Balagha of his is going to revolve around. Okay, so now let's get into the actual content of Najul Balagha. Najul Balagha, as we all know, is made up of three parts, the sermons, the letters of the Imam, and short sayings of the Imam. The, the sermons, the number we have for them is 241, 
there is a little bit of a difference between different editions of Najul Balagha and the numbering of these sermons. But you will usually find that they say is 241, uh, that number. And some of these sermons have been delivered before him becoming Khalifa. Some during the time where he was being chosen as Khalifa and was actually assuming that position. And I would say the majority of these sermons were delivered after him being Khalifa. The letters are 79 letters and they say that most of them, almost all of them were written after his Khilafah and him being Khalifa. And of course, the short sayings, which I personally I'm, I'm in love with because they are short and to the point and very, very beautiful and eloquent. These are 480 in number. So as you can see, there's a lot of content here. Now, one thing to keep in mind, and you will also notice as we go through these sermons and letters of Najul Balagha, is that, and especially with the sermons, I would say, is that because what mattered to a Sayyid al-Radi was eloquence, was that beauty of, of the words and, and the vocabulary and the grammar of Imam Ali salam, because that's the case, he will sometimes take an excerpt from an actual sermon and not bring the whole sermon. And he will put it there and give it its own number. Okay. Sometimes even a part of a sermon might come in one part of the book and then as, as one number, and then and you'll have another number and you will think that these are two separate sermons. But these are from the same sermon actually. He's just broken them down into two parts and brought them separately. Sometimes he won't, he won't even bring the rest of the sermon. So that's something to keep in mind. And that's why they say that he, um, he has written the book such titling each of these three sections as Al-Mukhtar min Khutab Amir al-Mu'minin Al-Mukhtar min Kutub Amir al-Mu'minin Al-Mukhtar min Hikam Al-Mukhtar means selection a selection from his sermons his selection from his letters and from his short sayings so that's something to keep in mind as well and that's something that sometimes uh, people might not realize that w there's a bigger context to some of these sermons that can help us in understanding uh, those sermons and so or, the, or those those parts of the sermons that have been brought in Nahjul Balagha itself so it's important to understand that where Nahjul Balagha is coming from where Sayyidah Radi was getting this information from it's important to understand that as well I'll get to that later the, what are the sources of Nahjul Balagha we'll get to that later but still we have some more to talk about regarding content so that was the breakdown of just the, the structure of the book itself but when it comes to the actual themes and topics in this book, it is a huge mix of different topics. You will find theology in there and metaphysics. You will find things about worship in there, about rulership, justice, about the Ahlul Bayt, Khilafah. You will find um, short you know, sayings and words of wisdom in there. You will find a lot to the Imam speaking about the dunya and the approach we're supposed to have towards the dunya. He will speak of courage and he will speak of dua, he will speak of whispered prayers, he will speak of um, the struggles of the Muslimin and the wars and battles and a lot of things that he will speak about. He will speak about social issues. There are some famous uh, things there that you will find in regards to these matters as well. Uh, he has a very famous letter to Malik al-Ashtar, for example, on how to run uh, his, his jurisdiction as governor. Okay, these are all issues that 
you'll find discussed in Nahj al-Balagha. Just about Islam in general, why Islam came, why the Prophets came, the Qur'an, the importance of the Qur'an, akhlaq, um, figures, names, the Imam will drop a lot of names, the Imam will speak a lot about what's going on in his time during the battles of Safin and, and Nahrawan and of course Jamal. There are very, very interesting details that the Imam has in Nahj al-Balagha in regards to all of these things. The history part is a very interesting, I would say. is one of my favorite parts personally. The history that you find in Nahj al-Balagha. Because it will give you an insight to the battles of Amir al-Mu'minin but through his lens and the way he sees it. It's different than you reading up on these things, for example, in the Tawarikh, in the historical accounts that we have, in the different historical sources like At-Tabari and others. Because of the importance of this book, of course, this book has been translated God knows to how many languages. It has tons of commentaries, very nice commentaries, and that's what we're going to be using. Um, mostly, there are a few commentaries that we will have that have gone from cover to cover of this book. Lots of the commentaries are for parts of this book. So you won't have as many commentaries that go through the whole thing. Yeah, but you will have some that have done that as well. But yeah, there are other commentaries that have covered parts of this of this book, which all of this just illustrates how how important this book is. And then you'll have some that have more of a philosophical approach, others that have other approaches to this work as well. Now we want to talk about a little bit the sources of Nahj al-Balagha. We have to understand the common perception out there is that we have to look at the Nahj al-Balagha the same way we look at the Qur'an. How do we look at the Qur'an? Okay, we look at it from cover to cover. This is all Allah's word. Um, in one go over 23 years as if, you know. Some will look at the Nahj al-Balagha the same way and they'll say, okay, this is all from Imam Ali alayhi salam over that period of time that he was alive. The thing is that we have to understand this is like any other hadith book that we have in which the compiler has gone to his own sources, taken from those sources that which he wants to select and put them in a new work, a new book, a new compilation called Nahj al-Balagha. Because a Sayyid al-Radi, if he's writing this book in the 4th and early 5th century, whenever he wrote it exactly, uh, in, in his short lifetime, whenever he wrote it, it's not like he was sitting there hearing Imam Ali saying all of these things himself. We have to understand that. No, Imam Ali lived um, in the 1st century. This is a Sayyid al-Radi coming two, 300 years later at least. Yes, and so the question will always be asked, okay, where Sayyid al-Radi, you're saying Imam Ali said this, you're saying Imam Ali said that, Sermon 35 says this, Sermon 87 says that, where'd you get it from? So he will have his sources that he will go to. And so there, this is where research has been done. And because we have to understand, brothers and sisters, Nahj al-Balagha is not going to be a book that every school of thought of Islam will accept. And so this book has been challenged by those who are not from the Shi'i school of thought. And so this has pushed our ulama, our scholars, to do the work to find where exactly every sermon of Nahj al-Balagha is being brought from of the original uh, first-hand sources that are compiled that were that were compiled before Nahj al-Balagha that Sayyid al-Radi was using. And so there are books, there are works, volumes and volumes of literature on 
the Masadir of Nahj al-Balagha, it's called. The sources of Nahj al-Balagha. So there, there, there's a lot of work that has been done there as well. Some have even, what they've done is they have gone and found where a Sayyid al got these sermons from and completed those sermons. Because as I said, not all of these sermons are full sermons. Sayyid al has selected excerpts from some sermons. So what some have done is they've found them found the actual sermon and brought the whole thing. So you'll have books like referred to as Tamamu Nahjul Balagha, like the complete Nahjul Balagha, or the Nahjul Balagha in its complete form. Why? What do they mean by that? Well, what they mean by that is that, look, Nahjul Balagha has cut these sermons up sometimes. We're going to bring them in their entirety. So as I, what I'm trying to say here is that a lot of work has been done on this. And you can tell the importance of a work by how much other work has been done on it. So all the translations, all the commentaries, all the research that and tahqiq that has been done on this book shows how significant this book is. Another type of work that we have um, for Nahjul Balagha is there's a lot of, uh, you could say, dictionaries that have been put together that will have the vocabulary that the Imam uses and will give the definitions of them. For example, Qamusu Nahjil Balagha, Mufradatu Nahjil Balagha, and so on. There are books that have been written just explaining the vocabulary because there is a very, very rich vocabulary that is used in Nahjil Balagha. And those who know Arabic grammar uh, will tell you that sometimes we can figure out the sentences and break them, be able to break them down grammatically, but we don't know those terms that have been used in them, what they mean exactly. And so we're struggling even... Even uh, proper scholars will struggle with this with this aspect of the book. And so to facilitate the understanding of the vocabulary, that kind of work has been done as well in regards to Nahj al-Balagha. And there are other works that have been done as well. Um, you can say uh, books that have been written on the different topics that you can find within Nahj al-Balagha. So for example, I'll give you an example. There be, you, You'll find some books that might discuss, okay, they might tell you, okay, like if you want to understand whatever Imam Ali has said about the battle of Jamal, yeah, well, you can refer here, 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 and here. Because these are scattered in Nahjul Balagha. For example, I don't know, sermon number 20 will be about the battle of Jamal, and then sermon like 25, I don't know, I'm just just saying any number right now. Sermon 25 will be about, I don't know, the battle of Nahrawan, and then it will go back to the battle of Jamal again in sermon 30. So it's uh, in this sense, it's not organized because as I said again and again, Sayyid al-Radi was not after chronological order here. What he was after was the eloquence a- aspect. And so others have done this kind of work where they have you know, given it that kind of order or they've broken it down by topic. A lot of the Nahjul Balaghas printed today, at least in the Farsi language and maybe in the Arabic language as well, you'll find a whole table of um, topics in the end of the book, yes, allowing you to know where you can find in Nahjul Balagha anything the Imam has said about this topic and that topic, and this individual, that individual, where he's used this verse, where he used that verse. So there's a lot of work that has been done on Nahjul Balagha, and there are other things that have also been done. I'm not going to get into those. This book, brothers and sisters, of course, as I said, in the Shi'i school of thought, is revered, is taken very seriously, and enjoys some of the greatest credibility ever for any book that we have. At the same time though, there will be some issues in it that will come up that might be controversial, that have to be understood properly, that some have even um, you know, questioned 
whether or not Imam Ali said that or not, and that's caused them to and push them to look into the sources of that sermon, particular sermon, or that particular saying, and so on and so forth. There are a lot of things. We'll get to them maybe. We're after understanding what's being said, and maybe, you know, maybe scratching the surface on the sources from which some of the sayings of Imam Ali are coming from. So this book is, it enjoys very high credibility in the Shi'i school. But we do have to understand, brothers and sisters, that in the Sunni school of thought, it's not necessarily the case that this book will be seen the way we see it. And so a brother or sister who might be discussing with a Sunni brother or sister certain matters can't necessarily say, oh, this is the case because in Nahjul Balagha it says this. Unless they find that same sermon, that same saying in Sunni sources that that Sunni brother or sister accept as reliable, then that'll be a different story. All in all though, brothers and sisters, what's for sure is that this book is one of our greatest books that we can learn so much from. I enjoy this book thoroughly. One of the reasons why we decided to do this podcast series or I decided to um, take on this task is because of how much I love this book and how much I personally want to discover it more as well and share whatever we can with the brothers and sisters out there. And so for sure, the Shi'i school of thought has a lot to take from this, a lot of inspiration. This book, one thing that stands out in regards to it I would say is that just the perspective Imam Ali gives us regarding the dunya that we live in and how we're supposed to see it. It's just beautiful. And of course, Imam Ali is just echoing what the Quran says using his own wording. And so we pray that we can get as far as we can with the du'as of the brothers and sisters, get as far as we can in this book, inshallah, and take as much benefit as we can and really see ourselves as sitting and kneeling before Imam Ali in his presence as he shares his words of wisdom with us. We see what bothered him in his time. What lessons can we take? How can we not repeat the mistakes of the people of his time? And so on and so forth. This was just a very, very brief introduction to this book. Um, our scholars have written books on this, Nahjul Balagha, explaining it and introducing it. One of the most famous ones out there is the one is the book by Shahid Mutahari by the name of Glimpses. Uh, of the Nahjul Balagha, or in Farsi it's Sayyidi Dar Nahjul Balagha. It's like the Farsi is like 300 pages or so. It's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty dense book to be an introduction to another book, you know. But he has broken that book down, uh, the, this Nahjul Balagha down in that book very nicely. Those of you who want more information about Nahjul Balagha, inshallah, you can refer to that, and the translation of that in English can also be found online. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته